Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of KD, a.k.a. Kevin Dorsey. Now, check this, okay? KD got into sales as a choice. Yeah, people, you heard me right, all right? I said as a choice in college because he knew that no matter what happened in life, there would always be sales jobs available. And in his own words, he believed that sales felt safe. So from selling cut code knives door to door, to moving into industries such as insurance, multi-level marketing, and more, Katie rose up the ranks fast and entered the world of sales leadership where he built and scaled sales orgs in companies such as Snack Nation and Patient Pop, giving him the experience, expertise, and excitement to really consult and advise other companies on how they could grow their revenue from zero to $100 million in annual recurring revenue. But listen, people, More importantly, he's a husband, he's a brother, he's a father to two daughters, Lily and Louisa, and currently works with a team over at Winning by Design as their sales leadership practice lead. And today, 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 I pinned him down. I pinned him down, people, to specifically discuss how to share stories and really communicate in a way that inspires your sales team to take action. Dude, welcome to the show. What's good? Dude, you know, just living large and doing big things, you know, just doing thought leader stuff. You know, I just think with my thoughts and I lead with them and that's that's all I do. You know, that's that's it. So now nah, living good, my friend, living good. Simple life, huh? Simple life over there in Austin. Oh, yeah. You know, it's no, no, nothing hard. I don't work at all. You know, I just, just pretend to work. It's all smoking mirrors. Everything I do is smoking mirrors. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Man, you are, I say, one of the dudes that, and I said this to one other person on my podcast, but I say it, say it to you because I truly admit it. You're one of the dudes that when you put out a post on LinkedIn, I will read it or watch it or listen to it, but I will really look into the tactics behind it because I know you do everything with such intention. Nothing is just by chance. It's with intention. So I'm like, okay, what did he do here? How did he do this? How did he think about this? And man, I acknowledge you for that because I'd say if there's one word, ladies and gents, to describe KD, it is intentional, man. It is intentional. Yeah, it's my favorite word. My my team knows that. My leaders know that. Shoot, our theme for 2021 was execution with intention. But like that was the theme for the entire team because what we talked about is so often in life, actually, this was like my post yesterday, funny enough, we don't get what we want simply because we don't execute. Plain and simple. Like we know what to do. We just don't execute. But then the second part is so many people do execute without intention. All right, you made the dials without intention. You had the one-on-one without intention. You went to the gym without intention. And so execution is the first part. You do have to execute, but you have to execute with intention. What are you actually trying to achieve with that action? And that's what leads to the results that you want, right? So execute with intention was literally our theme for 2021 for my entire team. We talked about it all the time. Intention is my, my favorite word for sure. 
Well, dude, speaking of intention, I guess the police, maybe about 15 years ago, had a real intention of escorting you off that school campus, right? For those that yeah. don't know and really want to understand a little bit more about your early time in sales, talk to us about that moment where the police yeah. literally escorted you off a school campus in a way which probably was quite embarrassing for you back then. Oh, my God. Well, luckily, it wasn't that embarrassing because, like, no one was at the school, which also, again, telling the story back, like, I get how sketchy it all looks and sounds now. But in the moment, I was in contract mode, right? At the time, I was at Human. So what we work with school districts and companies for healthy vending, healthy markets, right? And I had literally signed up all the schools except for one that I needed to go get the contract signed from. We we're supposed to get it signed. I had the verbals, all that. But then summer break hits. And summer break hits. So there's no receptionist anymore. There's no one to answer the phone. There's no one to transfer me over to the, the principal. Principal's last name was Ortega, in case everybody's wanting, because I remember this completely, right? So this was up in Calabasas, California, which is about an hour-ish away from where I was living. So finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going. I'm just going. Like, I used to knock doors. Like, I know how to do this. I'm just going to drive. So I drove up there, had bags full of snacks, right, to walk in, and I get to the school, and, you know, it's empty, right? But Principal Ortega is there, because I can see their car in the principal spot, and just so happens to have Ortega on the license plate. So I know they're there. So I'm trying to find a way into this school, which again, in retrospect, y'all, I get it. There's a young black male poking around the school, trying to like put his heads in windows, shaking doors, trying to get in. And I can't get in, right? Can't get into the school. So I'm sitting in the parking lot, basically at this point, stalking. Where it's like, I'm just going to wait for Principal Ortega to come out. Once they come out, I can see him, right? We already know each other. This isn't like a full stranger danger. So I'm sitting in the car, kind of like waiting all of a sudden I get like that, you know, rap, rap, rap on the window. And I look and it's a cop, right? And, you know, I roll down my window. I'm like, how can I help you, officer? And, you know, they're like, well, you know, we got, you know, a call about a suspicious mail, you know, on, on the campus. It's like, oh, no. Am I safe? And, you right. they kind of look at me like, no, dude, it's you. Like, you are the suspicious person. Like, what are you doing here? I was like, I got healthy snacks, <laughs> right? So they're like, we're going to need to ask you to, to leave the, the campus. And I was like, can I just go across the street? And they're like, no, you need to leave. Go. And I was like, all right, fine. So I had to leave. Didn't get the contract signed that day. Eventually I got it signed. But like, I was trying to get it signed, right? I was like, whatever it takes to get this signed. And, you know, the cops almost took me to jail. So whatever. I'll get it. I'll get it. Oh, man. I think you and I spoke about this when I did my first masterclass in your Patreon community. And you, I actually never knew this, bro, but you told the audience that, you have some experience with acting and performance. And as you were sharing that story, I was like, man, I, I can tell you got a bit of Hollywood in you, bro. Yeah. Right. You know, through, through and through. Funny enough, actually, I did not pursue acting and that as a career because I didn't feel like I could take myself serious enough. Like mm. being around like serious actors, like they take it so serious. I'm like, y'all, this isn't that serious. Like calm down. Right. And I just, I didn't like the, Truth about it, I just didn't like the environment, like the people around it. He's like, dude, like get into character, cool, get out of it. Like all this nitpicking, all I was like, nah, I just can't take myself seriously enough to do this. And so I I did not and I stopped. That's funny, man, because I would have thought sales would have felt more serious than acting. Or are you saying the reality of it and the, the, the reality of it? Like the reality and how people engage with each other, right? So like mm. in acting, right, like you know, people like they try to get into character and they're doing all like these weird 
things and their different methods and all this just to try to land a gig. Then they land the gig and they feel like they're all that because you landed a damn Colgate toothpaste commercial. It's like, yo, stop it. Calm down. Right. Like that's that's not how the world actually works. I just didn't like the the vibe in the environment. So I I got out of it. It's funny. That reminds me of a story by Ryan Serhan, you know, the real estate agent. I think you must have seen some of his stuff where he was like, man, I was a hand model. And there was like five people. I was living in a flat chair going from gig to gig. And I got into sales because I knew that people would always need salespeople and you can be truly great at what you do. And it's all on you. But um. Hey, man, I get it. I get it. The acting world is an interesting one. And I'm not going to go into Will Smith. I'm not going to go into the Oscars because that, that's overplayed, man. But let's let's get into something which I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on because of your new role at Winning by Design. And it's the idea that there's a lot of trends right now in sales leadership today. What I'm curious to know is, is what are you seeing now that you didn't see in this space six months ago? In sales leadership or in sales? Sales leadership specifically. I think obviously the biggest trend is just remote, right? People are really still trying to figure out how to lead and grow teams remotely. And that's the biggest trend. I think truthfully, overall, it's actually a lack of trends in sales leadership that I think is the biggest issue. Things aren't changing. The way that we lead people, coach people, comp people, pay people aren't changing. And so I think that's actually the biggest trend I see is it's still very stagnant because there's not a lot of training and coaching and development for leaders. There just isn't. I didn't get a course mm. on how to be a VP of sales. I didn't have an internal mentor to teach me how to be a VP. I didn't have an internal mentor to teach me how to be a director. I didn't have an internal mentor to teach me how to be a manager. So there, I actually view it the other way. I view a lack of trends across sales leadership where there isn't like things aren't changing fast enough there, in my personal opinion. The biggest one that everyone's dealing with is this remote, right? How do you hire remotely? How do you onboard remotely? How do you hit numbers remotely? Like that's definitely a trend. And then we can maybe talk about the great resignation as a trend, but that's not sales leadership specific. That's kind of called like macro environment, but that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. And in the sales space, as in if you're a rep right now, what are three things that you're seeing there? Any shifts? So on the the rep side, right, it's like, I feel like we're starting, starting to see a shift back to quality versus quantity. I feel like mm. we're starting. It's still not where it needs to be, but I think we're starting to see where people are like, yo, like, can't just pray and spray everywhere and get to your number. There's definitely like prospecting as an entire section is getting harder and harder. And that's a big trend right now where people are struggling for pipelines. Right, because marketing dollars have gone up, the cost to advertise has gone up. Marketing's gotten so noisy now too that pipeline is getting tighter. So that's definitely a trend. And then you're also starting to see a little bit of a trend of back to full cycle a little bit because of problem point number two is everyone now has to prospect again because otherwise you don't get to the pipeline numbers. You're seeing kind of a trend back to full cycle. I'd say those are probably the bigger trends I'm seeing on the sales side, and then. I guess the last one is just, again, like in-person versus remote. Like, okay, trade shows are back, but are they? But they're not what they used to be. Like, do I fly in to see my client? Do I not fly in to see my client? Like, that's also a trend that I think sales reps on the enterprise side are starting to try to figure out how to navigate. Do you see a shift in the way that leaders and salespeople are viewing storytelling, given 
hey, this is what the show is about and what we're going to be digging deep into. Are you seeing a shift in the way that people view storytelling as a tool to win revenue? No. And again, part of the problem, right? There should be a shift. Storytelling is one of those things in sales that is like, you know, it's, it's like social media fodder, right? Where it's like, you can talk about it, right? Like tell stories, stories sell. And all the fanboys and girls are like, yeah, stories sell. But then no one actually does it, right? Or next part, hey, y'all tell stories. And the reps are like, yeah, but you don't teach them how to do it. And then you go to another layer deeper, like, okay, you actually taught people how to do it, but you didn't actually provide them with the stories, right? So I think stories are one of those things that if you bump into any sales leader, any sales rep at a bar and said, yo, like our story is important for sales, they will all be like, oh yeah, totally do. Absolutely. You got to tell stories. And you say, great. How are you doing it? Well, I got that one case study from Amazon where we 43% increased their pipe. So again, truly, man, this will be a theme in our conversation. The problem is there's a lack of trends. There's a lack of evolution in the sales industry. We are doing things the same, if not worse than how we were doing it previously. So that applies to storytelling, in my opinion, too. We don't tell good stories and people aren't actually equipping their people on how to do it. I like what you said. I don't know what the exact phrase was, but social media, like everyone knows it's important, but are people doing it in a way that's intentional, scalable? And is it being put at the forefront of the conversation in the organization? From the companies that I work with as well, it is becoming more and more prevalent. But hey, this is not about me. This is about you, bro. And I'll tell you what, there was a previous podcast with yourself and Victor Antonio, and you said, hey, look, buyers, they make decisions on emotion and justify it with logic. Now, there's a lot of chatter, just like you mentioned about customer success stories, which is external focused. Now, when we look internally with storytelling, do you feel that the same concept applies when it comes to communicating internally about emotion and logic? Absolutely. Right. People are people. People are people. Sales, people. Right. Buyers are people. Leaders are people, which reps, I also think they forget that your leaders are people. Too. We yeah. have emotions as well, right? We are not robots. So it's the same, right? And funny enough, you and I, I think we riffed on this a while back, stories, right? Stories evolved in terms of our language for learning and retention. We remember stories better, right? That's why like you talk about oral histories, right? The stories have been passed down for thousands of years, Thousands of years, the same story has been passed down through generations where we can't even remember Pythagorean theorem from eighth grade because there was no story to it, right? So stories are how we learn. You learn better through stories. You retain better through stories. And that applies. If you're trying to drive emotion, you need to tell stories. You absolutely need. And that's internal or external. Sales and leadership all revolve around the same thing. This is what I think people forget very often. Sales and leadership are all designed to do the exact same thing, which is change someone's mind to change their behavior. That is what sales is. That is what leadership is. If you can change someone's mind, you can then change their behavior. To do that, right, you have to connect with that mindset. You have to connect there. And that also a big part of that is through storytelling. Mm, That's interesting, man, because for one person... 
for a, a sales rep, they still need to connect with their leader and conversion is buying into them and their strategy right. and the vision and really their support. So I like it, man. And this is why I wanted to talk to you about this because I just feel like you've been in a unique position where you've led a 110, 120 plus org during the start of the pandemic and you've transitioned into seeing companies and how the leaders communicate and share their story internally during this time. So let's dig deep into it, bro. So I thought what we'd do here is go through a few real life scenarios and then I'd love to get your perspective on how you would approach them. So scenario number one, that is my best TV presenter voice. All right, let's say you're a VP of sales, okay? And knock, knock, Jim has just come into the room. He's like, hey, KD, listen, I've just been told from the powers above that we've got to revise and raise your revenue targets for the next 12 months. Katie's shocked. Katie's like, what? Like now I'm under pressure. Oh my God. Now I need to communicate this to the rest of the team. How and when do you do so? Okay. Jesus. All right. So we'll start with the win. I will communicate it to the team when I feel like I have a plan of action on how we can get there. So as a leader, never communicate a revenue change without a plan or an action on how we can actually achieve it. So the first thing that I'm doing, right, is I'm going, all right, new number. How could we get there? What are two or three different paths that we could maybe take to get to that number? I can't just walk out there and say, hey, y'all, sorry about it. 10% increase in revenue. Go get them, Tiger. Because also, too, and this is, leaders will do this. They try to inspire, right? We got this, y'all. We can do this. And even in that moment, a lot of us are like, yeah, we can do this. But there's no plan. There's no how. The win will come once I have sat down and go, okay, how do I think we could get there? What are some pathways that I could show the team in terms of how to make it believable? Because if it's not believable, we're not going to do it. So that'd be the first win. So it depends on how big of a lift right? And how quickly I can try to figure that out. But I need to have that ready to communicate. Then the how of it, right? If I'm going to communicate the how, what it actually starts with is, you know, kind of the premise of this is a little bit of a storytelling, but it's planting the seeds of how we have achieved things in the past. So you start by talking about like, so remember, remember Q2 2019 when we were behind and we found a way to blow out that number and Julia, do you remember when you literally were sitting at the table across from me and you were crying because you didn't think you could sell anymore? And Liz, do you remember? And you start this premise of like reminding people that we have done hard things before, right? So even so much as like in the meeting going, all right, I want everyone to think about a time that you accomplished something people didn't think you could accomplish. What's one thing in your life that you achieved? And people didn't think you could. They told you you couldn't. They told you it wasn't possible. I want you to write down a couple examples of how you've done that before. So what I'm doing here is I'm anchoring on the behavior and mindset that I'm going to be asking for, right? And they know like, okay, no, that, that I made my high school team. I bounced back from quota, whatever else, right? We're anchoring on that. Then it's saying, so here's what we found out. The company needs us. So notice my framing here. It's not, oh, the number went up. It's the company needs us. It is looking to us to see if we can lead the way, if we can lead the charge here to hit a number that we weren't anticipating to have to hit. Now, you have a choice, right? And then you get into choices. You have a choice here. You can keep doing what you're doing. 
You can't. And honestly, y'all, there's nothing wrong with that. That is your job. You are the individual. This is not your company. You can keep doing what you're doing. And here's the impact of that. You'll hit your number. You'll get paid what you get paid. And that's fine. Or we can go this path. We can rally together. We can go after this. And I have some ideas on how we can get there, but we can go after this. And here's what this means, right? We'll get to look back and go like, whoa, we did that. We'll get to look back and say, dang, if we accomplished that, what else could we accomplish, right? If we look back. So we have this path, right? So it'll be up to you like to tell me which path that you want to go on. But for those of you that are willing to go down this path with me, I have some ideas to walk through. And then I get into the ideas. Here's some ways that we could do it, wrap up on it. So the reason why I told you this is, y'all, we are capable of this. I would never ask you to do something we are not capable of. You have done things harder than this in your life before, and you've got two or three examples in front of you right now of a time you've done something harder than this before. Here's my ask. I want a two-word email or Slack after this email or after this meeting. I'm in or I'm out. If I'm in, this is what that's going to mean. I'm out. Again, no hard feelings. This is not a trick question. If this is not something you want to go for, that is fine. But I want to know who's in and who's out and we'll move from there. I think what we need to do is transcribe that and then you... (laughs) And then the people watching it right now, the leaders could be like, okay, because I guarantee a lot of them have probably struggled with this before. And I love the the ending, you know, a very coach car style ending. I love that. Dude, I want to acknowledge a few things there, which are so, so interesting and tactical. The first thing was you didn't just say, hey, I'm going to tell them this, meaning you are not reactive. You allowed yourself to feel, come up with a strategy and then really craft something compelling. The second thing, which is beautiful, which I believe that you did, which was the idea that you used the same message and penetrated the minds of your team in different ways. For example, when KD said, hey, get a pen out and write down, he was getting them to do an activity versus just speaking at them because people absorb the same message in different ways. And the final thing, man, was that final story around the cost of inaction. So, so powerful, dude. I love that, man. I love that. Do you think that's harder for new leaders to implement because they may not have confidence to actually operate in that way? Is it easier for vet- veteran leaders to operate in that manner? I guess I won't give a, an out for anybody in that situation. Back to our word. It's just intention. Mm. And if you're not confident to lead your team, then you shouldn't be in leadership, right? That is your job as a leader is to take filter, define, create a path and communicate. That's your job. And so if you're not doing that, you shouldn't be in leadership. And I will be that point. I have no qualms saying that if you do not feel comfortable coming up with a plan and you shouldn't be in leadership and that's all right. Now, the caveat to this, if you receive information from above, right, that is not achievable, that cannot be hit. It is also your job as a leader to fight it back up through the exact same methods. What are the repercussions of doing this? Hey, Robbie, I get it. We need a 30% increase in revenue this year. I get it, right? But you're asking the sales team to make up for a churn number that is not their responsibility. Here's the risk. If I roll this out to the team, we could lose our top performers. They're going to be making less money. We get lit up on Glassdoor, if we even lease three reps from this, the revenue impact of losing those three reps, not only will we not get that 30% growth, we're going to have a 30% miss on the original number. Are you sure? 
There's no other way around this. There's no other way that we can do this. It's the same thing. You have to fight it up. You can't just take this. I actually just had a conversation with one of my former managers over the weekend for an hour of like, no, no, no. You have to fight for your team. If something gets brought to you that you do not believe in, it is your job to fight. And if you don't fight, then stop calling yourself a people leader, period. If you're not willing to fight for your people, you're not a people leader. And that's it. So it goes both ways on this as well. Oh, man, that is powerful. And I love how you just provided another script for the audience of really how to communicate up the chain. If you feel like, hey, this is actually against maybe my values or against what I believe is going to happen. So I love that, man. And speaking of being a people leader, during the pandemic, which is obviously still going on, but during the early stages of it, you mentioned, I think it was on LinkedIn, in one of your posts that leading during that time was for you one of the most eye-opening rewarding, but also really tricky times for you as a sales leader. So the question here is, is in times of crisis, what is the process or framework that you go to, to communicate difficult decisions with people you really love and have a connection with? So it obviously depends on the gravity of the, the decision and the information, right? Like one of the worst things, not even one of the worst things, the worst thing I have ever gone through in my leadership career was the reduction in force we went through during the pandemic. Mm. Bar none, the worst thing I've ever had to go through in my life to say goodbye to 65% of the people that I hired, I coached, I trained, I inspired, I connected with, and to no fault of their own, they lost their jobs. That was the worst thing I've ever had to deal with. And in that moment, you could ask people that worked for me then too, right? Like I cried in front of the team afterwards. So after the rift happened, when we pulled everybody together and like, I'm fighting it right now, just even fucking talking about this because this was awful. Everyone that was left, pulled them together, right? Pulled them together. We talked about it of like, this is where we are now. And one, you have my full commitment. I'm doing everything I can to place every single individual at another company, which I was able to do. That's why you build a brand, by the way, y'all, that I can hit up other companies and go, I got people for you. And they know they were coached. They know they were trained. They know they passed a certain bar. Some of them didn't even have to interview. Like literally it was like, oh, they're one of yours. Bring them in. Right. But I told, I talked to the team about like, here's where we're at right now. And we have to come together if we're going to get through this. But I cried during that. And I felt awful that I did because I was trying really hard to be like, I need to be the strength for them, right? I need to be the strength for them. And I had so many people reach out afterwards saying, thank you for like showing that, that emotion, right? For showing like that you cared because I do, I care about my people. So like, that's the ultimate gravity of like the hardest thing in terms of communication wise that we had to do, but it was talking about like coming together. And one of the things and I wrote about this, April of 2020 was the worst slash best month in my leadership career. It was the worst because we had to say goodbye to so many people. It was the best because the people that stayed, how they rallied together and how they came together and how they operated. Because one of the things that we talked about, again, y'all, you will notice this very often in my leadership style is there's always choices. There's two things we can do here. And the phrase that we had there was better or bitter. We can get through this and be better or we can get through this and be bitter. 
we can fold right now. We can wave the white flag and we can fold. But then honestly, y'all saying goodbye to all those people was for not because we are the survivors. We did make it here. And if we don't step up to try to get through this, all that was for not. We, everyone got let go for nothing. We weren't able to get the company through this, right? Right. So we can go that path or we can come together. And that was when Operation Rise was born. The team blew out their number in April, but then the downfall came in May and June. And that was then like the next trough. And I think maybe the segue of kind of the next point around this of like, they rose up in April. Like, my God, I've never been so proud of a team on like how they came together and how they operated and what they did and how they worked. The hangover hit in May and June when the gravity of everything that was happening was occurring. And then again, this is what was so challenging as a leader is I knew my people needed help. I couldn't find a way to help because this is what everyone still seems to forget about the last two years. This is not remote selling. This was not working from home. This was working through a pandemic, right? This was selling while scared. This was selling while losing friends and family. This was selling without seeing people. This was selling on lockdown right? Like those stressors, I don't have a solution for that, right? Like I don't have a way to solve that for people. And I tried everything. We did meditation as a group. We did visualization as a group. We did um, like open like sessions, right? I openly was like, yo, like here are books to read on. I have, I have an open book policy anyway. You want a book? I'll buy it for you. It doesn't matter. Like I bought everyone on my team, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I was looking into right getting like a full-time therapist for the team because I knew they needed it, right? But people were struggling. And that was what made it so hard is like, how do I help my people that are struggling? You literally can't even see them and they can't see their friends and family, right? Like I had managers lose family members, right? Half my team got COVID over the past like, you know, year and I like, so that's what made it so hard is like people needed something and you couldn't give it to them. And that's what was so hard throughout like this stretch. But again, like a lot of it was around, you know, connecting as a team, connecting as people, right? Telling the stories of how we're getting through things, what we're doing, how we can support each other. Did the best I could, man. You know, did I solve it? I don't think I solved it. Did I sure as hell try? Man, that must have been just gut-wrenchingly difficult for you. But also what came to mind is, is you're there looking after everybody else. And my thought was as well, who was supporting you in that time? And I'd love to know, was there a story that you had to shift, like an internal belief, something that you were communicating to yourself, which wasn't serving you, which helped you switch into that gear? So not really, no, because the stories that I told myself at that time were already things I'd already like anchored, right? Like, one of like my core stories is like the better I am, the better I can support my people. Right. So that's one of my internal stories is like the better I am, the better I can support my people. Right. So I was also still very much so like, how can I make sure I'm taking care of myself? I wrote about this last week around leading by example is not just making a phone call. Leading by example is what is the self-care you're doing? Right. So like that's what you're talking about. We talked about like meditation and visualization and going through those things. We reset on our goal setting, right? We had like open sessions, like to talk through things, right? I don't believe in open door policies the way most people do. Open door policies are BS. If you're asking people to walk through your door, an open door policy is for you to walk out of it. So leaders, remember that, 
open door policy is not like, oh, you can come to me whenever. No, the door is open so you can walk out the door and be with your people. Right. So making sure like reaching out to people, just checking in and having those conversations. But the stories didn't really change that much for me internally. It was just even more amplified of like, I need to be here for them. I could have left. I could have left during COVID. I could have left in a heartbeat. No one talks about this. What do you think happened to VP of sales comp during COVID? So like, funny enough, I moved to Austin. I've never really talked about this publicly, but we're, we're in the nest right now. We'll talk about it. I moved to Austin in the pandemic. One of the number one reasons why I moved to Austin during the pandemic is I had to bring my expenses down so I could stay at my job, right? So when I left, there was a lot of people saying like, oh, he's moving because he's going to leave. It was the complete opposite. I left LA so I could stay at the job. Because I knew what was about to happen to my income over the next year, right? I'm left so I could step back to my story. The better I am, the better I can support my team. And I needed to be in a place where I could not stress on the money side, where I had space to think and to move so I could be better for my team, right? So like, the, I think my story stayed pretty much the same, you know, but this was from a lot of work and ups and downs previously. Young Katie, I have no idea what I would have done. I probably would have left. Probably would have left. Probably been like, yo, this is bullshit. I'm not going to do this. I'm gone. New KD, I stayed for my people. And that's what I did. I've never heard you talk about that. And thank you for sharing it, bro, over here. Because it's so funny, isn't it? The story that people will tell themselves about what they see. Oh, Kevin has just moved to Austin. Maybe he's going to leave. Maybe he's going to go do his own thing. But it was the complete opposite, which I just hope everybody's listening to this right now, where it's Ultimately, what I'm hearing from KD in this moment is being operating in a way that is congruent with the value system that you have and the stories that you tell yourself. Question, actually, on that story that you told yourself, what do you do to reinforce it? When you've got self-doubt, when you're feeling, oh, man, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome kicking in here. What do you do? What do you go to to reinforce that story? Well, I've got in front of me here, my being cards, right? So I work with a coach as well. And so much of what he talks about, it's like your state of being, who are you being? That affects what you do. So often in life, we're what should I do? There's no shortage of information on what to do. Thousands of books, hundreds of courses on what to do. Our problem is not that we don't know what to do. Our problem is we are not being the person that would take those actions, right? So a lot of the work I do with him is like, who do I need to be first, right? So I am confident. I am motivated. I am disciplined. I set and achieve goals that others can only dream of. The world is working in my favor at all times. I'm committed, caring, highly skilled, and the greatest go-to-market sales leader, advisor, and gangster in the world. The best sales consultant in the world. I am all I need to be. I am 100% worthy and deserving of love and respect from others. I am well-loved and respected. I can be my whole self and still be loved. I make as much money as I want, when I want. I make millions doing what I love and helping others live better lives. Money flows to me in all directions. I create money out of thin air. I don't sweat the small, like these cards are in front of me at all times on my desk, right? And so when those bad stories start to come in, I have an outlet to remind myself of the right stories, 
right, of how to do things. I've talked about these goal settings, writing down examples of achieving things in the past, right? Those are important to have as your internal stories, right? There's so much work you can do, but also too, the last one, I learned this actually from Super Better, great book, talks about labeling your enemies. So one of my internal enemies, right, are like fake arguments, right? Like fake arguments, right? Like, you know, you're just arguing with someone that's not even real. Well, you label it. So that's fake Freddie. So when Freddie shows up, right? It's like, yo, Freddie, I ain't got time for this. And what you're doing is you're separating it from you, right? You're not arguing with yourself. You're not saying, oh, like, why do I do this? It's like, that's something different. It's like, yo, Freddie, no, I ain't, I don't have time for this. Whatever. You can push it away. That also helps prevent some of these stories from spiraling you the wrong direction. So you label that enemy, push it away, reinforce the way that you want to do it. And then again, like you're checking in, like, am I actually living that way? Right? Am I living aligned with those values and with those stories? Yes, great. No, time to adjust and get back on track. Congruency, man. Congruency. And for those of you listening right now, what did I tell you at the beginning? I was like, he encapsulates the, the word intentional. And I suppose that's what your podcast is all about, helping salespeople and leaders be better human beings. They can be better salespeople. And dude, you you are actually practicing what you're preaching. I've seen the cards, ladies and gents. I've seen it on his desk right now. He's truly practicing what he's preaching. And I acknowledge you for that, brother. You know, final question, well, actually the penultimate question for you is shifting to something uplifting and positive here. Let's say if KD's sitting at his desk, okay? Knock, knock, it's Jim again. You're like, Jim, what do you want, man? Well, well you always coming for me. What do you want? You're like, listen, he's like, listen, You've had such a great quarter, KD, such a great quarter that, you know what? We want you to continue achieving the same level of success over the next three years. They've seen success. Now now they're like, well, we want more of it, KD. We want more of it. So the million dollar question here is, is as a leader, is there one communication strategy that you've used to inspire your team to continue and sustain success, however you define it, over a long period of time? So it's funny, as you're asking the question, I thought of how I was going to answer it. And then where the actual question ended up, it's actually the same answer. If Jim walked into my office and says that, the first thing I'm asking back, right, is with him. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? You know. Okay. Now, this is actually important because where your question actually went, right, when you talk about how to sustain and inspire, it's the same idea. What's in it for them? Why should they, right? That's where you have to craft the stories. What's in it for them to hit these new marks or what's in it for them to continue to sustain at a certain level, right? Now, sometimes that can be monetary. Sometimes that can be monetary. Hey, look, look, dude, let's just make some bank. We got a two-year window. Let's blow these numbers out. Let's live the life that we want to live. Put money aside, get the car, get the watch, whatever. And that's, again, that's why we do goal setting. Right? We do very specific goal setting two times a year with my teams, two times a year. What are your goals? Why are they your goals? Who do you need to be to accomplish it? Right? Like We go through this whole process. What will change by achieving it? So we go through that process. What's in it for you? Now, so maybe there's monitoring. Sometimes it's not. So then what is in it for them? What can you craft? Okay, how do they benefit from sustained performance? Well, that is a skill set that can never be taken away. That is a sense of pride that they can look back at and be like, yo, like I was a part of that, it's probably going to open up other career opportunities for them down the road. And I've always been very open with my team. You didn't marry me, 
I'm not going to have you forever. And that's okay. That's okay. You are going to outgrow me eventually. And nothing would make me happier than to see you go and dominate somewhere else. The amount of times I still get the text messages for former reps, former managers go, yo, it works here too. That's what I told you. You could go, you could talk to people who are onboarded by me. It was my goal is not to make you a great patient pop salesperson or a great service titan salesperson or a great snack nation salesperson. It's to make you a great salesperson salesperson. Wherever you go, this will work. So you can lean into, okay, then what are the emotional benefits of this? Whether that's pride, opportunities down the road, telling the stories of what they achieve, but there has to be some sort of what's in it for them. You cannot inspire people for your reasons. That doesn't matter. And that's why so much corporate communication gets lost. Y'all, y'all, if we do this, you know, the board, no one cares about the board. I'm an AE with the Southwest Territory. I don't care what promises you made to the board. That is not my problem, right? Like whatever. Oh, we can IPO. Yes. So my 500 shares will be $4,000 pre-tax. Woo. Right. Like, so and again, same idea. I would take the time of, Hey, how can I make this benefit them? And if I can't find a way back to the earlier point, I'm going to make some asks. Hey, y'all, if I'm going to ask this of the team, I'm asking this of you, whether that's extra budget to do something, extra rewards, a, a tool, additional training, right? Like if you're asking me to lift, to sustain off the same, that's kind of an unfair ask. Right. So now we can get into a trade of like, I need something for them in order to accomplish this. Right. And then it is full circle back of like, then we're telling the story of like why we need to do this, why we're capable of doing this, why we should do this and what the benefit is to them. Right. And then again, telling the stories and funny enough, like I used in the earlier one, if you remember, what did I do with some of the storytelling? Did you catch also what I did? I also brought in a restaurant. Julia, yeah. tell, remember that time? Yeah, Liz, yeah. tell the team about this one here. Yo, mm-hmm. Will, remember that time, right? Like you got the closing sweater on today, Will? Like remember how like those like you bring in the rep stories as well, where they are telling it and people are hearing it from their peers. So that's how, man, right? Is like, okay, what's the vision? What's in it for them? Okay. What's our path to achieving it? But then again, then you have to reinforce. If I say what's in it for them is like the pride and recognition, guess what I really have to make sure me and my managers are doing during this? All the recognition, right? Like really recognizing people. One of our core virtues for our org was celebrate the process. Celebrate the process. Who's doing what they're supposed to be doing? I want to call that out, right? So again, for my leaders listening, there are people on your team that need significantly more recognition that you are giving them, right? And we only tend to recognize the results in sales. Robbie, you closed the deal. boy. What about the three deals that he ran perfectly to the very end and something went wrong on the buyer side and they didn't close? Where is the recognition for that? Where's the recognition for the SDR that did hit their dials three days in a row and didn't book a meeting? Where's the recognition for that versus, oh, Julie got an inbound and booked it. Hey, Julie, good job. You booked booked one. While, while Kimmy's over here working her ass off for three days straight, got nothing out of it and literally got nothing out of it. No recognition, no acknowledgement, no support for going through it. That's actually who needs it most is who isn't getting the results you want right now. They're the ones that actually need the most recognition and support. And they're the ones that get it the least, 
right? So that's important too, is you have to anchor in the recognition because that's what makes it sustainable. This was kind of baked into your question a little bit of like the difference between that short blip, right? Hey, yeah, woo, and we do it for a week. To make it sustainable, you have to recognize the behaviors that you're looking for. If you're seeing the behaviors, you recognize that. That's what leads to the results that you're looking for. Ladies and gents, what's in it for me and what's in it for them? That's where everything diffused from in that answer. And man, that was an amazing answer. If those of you listening right now are like, where can I get more of this dude? I'm going to I'm gonna tell you exactly where you can get more of KD in a sec. The question though, man, is before we wrap up here, when it comes to influential communicators, who do you look up to and learn from when it comes to really grasping how to communicate with more influence? So I think really I look at some of like the OGs, honestly, right? Like obviously like I look at like Marcus Aurelius and like how he communicated and how he did things. I look at really good storytellers, right? You mentioned, I don't know if we were recording or it was before we started recording of like, you know, looking at how I do things and trying to dissect the meaning behind them. I do that mm. with a lot of like people. I'm like, okay, who is yeah. a popular storyteller? Even people that are polarizing. I watched a lot of Donald Trump stuff to go, okay, how is he doing what he's doing? Why is he doing it the way that he is, right? Whether I agree with it or not, I'm looking to go, okay, what's actually happening here? Why is it getting the response that it's getting? So I look at almost anyone that I feel like has influence and I go, can I see what it is they are doing? How do they communicate? How do they craft it? But Marcus Aurelius was a big one for me. Uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt was an, is another one. I'm just like, if you look at like persuasive, like the, the way they told stories, right? That people remembered them, the hooks. I think those are some, but other than that, like really, I'm just like listening to anything. I'm like, wow, that's going viral. Why? Yeah. What about it? Go, why is it going viral? What are the elements to it? And obviously an av- avid reader, Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey is a good one. Stories that stick, Kendall Hill, Kendall Hall, Stories that stick. Building a story brand. Those are some of my favorite books on storytelling. And so I recommend those to people all the time as well. There you have it, ladies and gents. Kevin Dorsey. Dude, where can people go to learn more about you and what you're up to? You know, can check me out on LinkedIn. I'm at the stupid connection limit, though. So I can't take more connections. Um, But you can definitely give me a follow there. The podcast is Live Better, Sell Better, where we talk about this. And then I do have the, the Patreon where I have like 20 some hours of training content in there, like on the actual tactics of things, including goal setting and mindset. And that's on Patreon inside sales excellence. If you want to join that community, ladies and gents, click the link inside of the show notes down below and I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first. 